Father, we thank you for this evening as we come before your holy word. We pray that you will minister to us in simplicity and in clarity of speech. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are really be, we are really on our series on what's the big deal about Christmas. It is a big deal. All right. So please go with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5 to 11. That will be our foundational text. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. This led us last week on our series on What's the big deal about Christmas? And this is really going to be our foundational text. Now, throughout this scripture, uh, we can see some things that we can tie into Christmas. So this leads us to talk about four things that we'll be looking at as a sub-theme under this series. The relevance of Christmas. When you read the story, you see the relevance of Christmas. You also see the reality of Christmas. Um, you will see the reason for Christmas. And then you will see the result of Christmas. All in the verses of scripture I just read. So today we are going to look at um, the second uh, topic from Philippians chapter 2. We looked at the reality of Christmas. And what is the, um, sorry, the relevance of Christmas? And what is the relevance of Christmas? We can pick that up from verse 6. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. So, God, right? What's the relevance of Christmas? God came to earth. God came to earth. And we asked, we established through many scriptures that um, Jesus is not just the son of Mary. His origin is that he is God, the second person of the Trinity. Um, he had the same attributes, the same divine qualities, but he did not consider a robbery to be equal with God. So Jesus is God, and it's God that came to earth. That's why Christmas is relevant. 
And that's why we celebrate it. Uh, I, I can compare this to like the first time man stepped on moon. Everybody was happy. It was seen as a landmark achievement. Um, when Jesus came on this earth, that was a great manifestation of God's love. And that sets the theme for what Christmas is about. So that's why we celebrate, because it's relevant. It's very important for us to see Christ in his proper and his divine and revered estate. He is God. And I believe that last week I showed you the scripture of John the Beloved, who all along thought that Jesus was the son of Mary, or as uh, other chapters will say, the son of the carpenter. That's how Jesus was known. But when he saw Jesus in his pristine heights and his divine glory, the Bible said that John fell dead. And Jesus woke him up and said, I am the first and the last. I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the one who died and who arose again. This is me. This is the true me. So what you saw was a watered-down version of me. And Jesus is God. It's very important for us to establish that truth. Amen. So today, we are looking at the reality of Christmas. The reality of Christmas. Amen. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. There underscores where's our sub-team, the reality of Christmas. Verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a born servant and coming in the likeness of men. So the first sub-theme that was tackled last week was the relevance of Christmas. God came to earth. The second thing that we are seeing here is the reality. God became man. And when he became man, he was called Jesus. God became man. He came and he took on the form of a bond servant, coming in the likeness of men. He made himself of no reputation. Now, this word no made himself of no reputation means he emptied himself of his pristine heights, his glory, his divine attributes, everything that made him God. He emptied it, stripped himself of it all, and came and he was found in the likeness of man. That's the reality. That's the reality of Christmas. It's real. Now, let me show you one scripture in 1 John. Go with me to 1 John. First John chapter 1. I want you to see John, the same John, his testimony of Jesus. Now, we looked at John's testimony of Jesus in Revelation where he saw the divinity of Christ, and he fell dead. But now we are going to see John now testifying about the humanity of Christ, which 
is the reality of Christmas. Verse 1, I read, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. I see that. We saw him with our eyes. So Jesus became man. Jesus once said something about God in John chapter 4, verse 24. He said, God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Nobody can see God. Even for John to even see Jesus in his divine estates and in his godly expression, he had to be in the spirit. He said, I, John, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Do you remember we read that Revelation chapter 1? And then the, the eyes of his spirit was open for him to see Christ in a very different light. Saw him in a different light, in a different form, in a different visage. He had to be in the spirit. But now John is talking about something else. He said that we saw him with our eyes. That means he became man, had the form of man, took on the form of man. He had flesh. And, and he says, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled The reality of Christmas is God became a man that flesh and blood could handle him concerning the word of life. You get it? So God became man. He emptied himself. Emptied himself of his divine attributes. Emptied himself of his God-like status emptied himself. He became of no reputation. And that's why I keep on saying that the Jesus that we see in the books of Matthew to John is a downgraded appearance because he truly is not a man. And we established that last week. He came in like fashion and he was found in appearance as man. He came, put on everything and came in the likeness of man. And all this was for a reason. And we will understand the reason next week. But that was Jesus. Of his own free will, he gave up everything that he had. He took on the nature of a servant and became man. And why would Jesus come as a human being? Consider this. If you and I will want to communicate with dogs, we'll have to become dogs. If you and I will want to communicate with birds, we have to become birds. But I see that God wanted to communicate with man. God, God had a message for man that he had to come in the likeness of man. It was for a reason. That is why he went through the shame of humiliation. And that's why I say that humiliation and humility, they are very close by. He was humiliated, humbled. 
he was humbled and he took on the form of man, even though he's not a man. In this life, who likes a downgrade? Nobody likes a downgrade. We all like upgrades. No one likes a downgrade. Will you like your pay to be downgraded? If you book a flight, will you like your flight to be downgraded? If you stay in a hotel, will you like your hotel service to be downgraded? If you drive a certain type of car, will you like your car to be downgraded? If you live in a certain area, will you like it to be downgraded? Nobody will like to scale down. We all want to scale up. But this Christmas talks to us about the selflessness of God. Jesus, the Son of God, who is God? He downgraded himself. He had a down skill. He, he had to scale down his divinity, had to scale down his lordship and become a man. It makes Christmas real. And that's why Christmas is a big deal. Because it's talking to us about God who is a spirit, not man, but is a spirit as Jesus said, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God who is a spirit scaling down his essence and then becoming flesh and blood that John even had to attest to him that he came as flesh and blood. We handled him. We saw him with our eyes. He was someone we looked upon. But that's not, that's not who he was. He had to become, but that's not his nature. He had to become a man because he had a message to communicate to us. He had a mission. He had an assignment. And that's why he had to come in that form. And how was Jesus like us? He was born like us. Jesus, who is God, he has no beginning, he has no end. Yet he had to be born like us. Jesus, who is like us, the Bible lets us know he is the firstborn of all creation. We read that last week. Jesus, who became like us, the Bible lets us know that it is by him and through him that the wells were created. He had to become a man and be born like us. That is how he became like us. There was no flashy entrance that could be seen. Jesus came in the middle of the night in a stable in Bethlehem. Jesus was God in human form, but he was born like us. Luke chapter 2 verse 5 to 7. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, 
the days were completed for her to be delivered. And seven, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. God became like us because he was born like us. The legal entry gates to this world is through the womb of a woman. And, and Jesus, who was God-like in nature, had to empty himself, humble himself, which was a skill down, and be born like us. He had to take on the form of man, had the experience of man, to be able to commune, communicate with man, that John, who was a disciple, is now saying that the word of life, we handled him. We looked upon him. We saw him with our own eyes. That now John, one of his disciples, could testify many years after Jesus had ascended to his father. So he was born like us. How did Jesus become like us? He grew like us. Jesus grew and developed and had growth spirits. And throughout the scripture, you will see that. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be in school with Jesus? He had to experience every human experience. He did not parade the fact that he was God. He was a human being and grew up like us. He looked every inch like a Jew. He was a real man who worked as a carpenter. That is the reality of Christmas. He became a man. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 52. The same chapter. So we just read in some earlier verses that he was born. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. And that's where we get the nativity story because he was born. But look at him. He also grew. Verse 52. Let me even start from 51. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. He, he grew. He had growth spirits. God became a man, subjected himself to human conditions, human experiences. He grew. He grew from a year to two years, three years, four years, five years, six years. Now, if you read earlier on, that was from, from verse 41. Jesus was 12. He was 12 years old. So between the time when he was born as a baby, now when you read the scriptures, you will see that he was born as a baby. He was dedicated in the temple at eight days old. That same scripture, it talks to us that he was 12. So when it starts with verse 51, that then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. 
It was talking at, of Jesus' 12th year. Let me show it to you. Verse 41, the same scripture. Let me start from verse 40. And the child grew. That's Jesus. He was a child. He grew. You see, he was God. But he took on the form of a man and became a child. He had to experience growth. The child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. God doesn't grow. God, God doesn't grow. God is God. He doesn't grow. God is not a man. But the reality of Christmas makes us understand Christmas is a big deal because Jesus, who is God, became man, subjected himself to human experience and grew. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. So whatever happened in between verses 43 to 51 makes us see his 12th year. You see, he was a child, then he grew. At the time of writing, he was 12. So Jesus know what it's like to be a preteen. Jesus know what it's like to be a teenager. Jesus know what it's like to be an adult or a young adult. Jesus know what it's like to be a full-grown man. Because Jesus started ministry at age 30. And he died at age 33. And he ascended back to his father in his 33rd year. Jesus knew what it was like to be a man. Surely he did. And the Bible lets us know he grew in stature. So 12 years, he was starting to grow. It is said that ch children start experiencing growth spurts between 12 to 19. So he had growth spurts to grow. Breaking of voice, all that. <laughs> had facial hair, but he was not a man. That's why this Philippians 2 scripture is very important. He became, but he wasn't. He was God, but he became a man. He became a man, but he was not a man. He became a man, experienced what man experiences. And, 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 and it makes Christmas real. Amen. The third thing I want us to see, he was tempted like us. He was tempted like us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Before I go there, a scripture just popped in my mind. Let me share this one with you. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own countries, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, 
Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. The point I wanted to draw here is Jesus worked. He was a carpenter. In this scripture, he was referred to by his profession. Is this not the carpenter? Jesus worked. He was a carpenter by profession. He had a profession. You see, he embraced the total human experience. He became a carpenter. The creator who created trees is <laughs> now working with trees, wood. He created it, he humbled himself, scaled himself down. The greatest miracle for me is God becoming a man and not checking out of the human experience. Because it, it wasn't a privilege for him. It was a humiliating experience. He humbled himself. That's because he loved us. He wanted to enter our world and communicate the gospel. But he can't do that in his pristine heights. You see, like we, we read last week, when John saw the real Jesus who is God, the Alpha and the Omega, as he called himself. I am the Alpha and the Omega. What happened? He fell dead. John fell dead. Can you imagine if Jesus was to come in that glory and in that appearance in Revelation chapter 1? Nobody could have received from him. Everybody would be frightened. Isaiah met God, who is also Jesus. He became afraid. There is nobody in the history of the Bible who was able to stand in front of God. You can't. And that is the same form that Jesus exhibits. And yet, here he is, he's become like a man, a common man, walking among us. God, the God-man. He had a job. He embraced the total human experience. So that's just what I want us to know. He embraced the total human experience for a reason. So that we could experience reconciliation with God our Father. He did all this just for that. He did all this so that we could experience salvation. He did all this so that we wouldn't have to fulfill the righteous commands of the law so that we could attain righteousness. So that through him, who is the fulfillment of the law, we could also be called righteous. He embraced the total human experience. Amen. So now Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Hebrews chapter 4, 
verse 14 to 16. Let me read this in the NIV, New International Version. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I love this scripture. Jesus understands the pressures of humanity because when he came, the Bible says he was tempted as a man. He had to endure the pressures of humanhood. Is there even a word like that, humanhood? I don't even know. But he had to endure the pressures of being human. And he didn't sin. So Jesus understands our struggle. That's why Jesus can relate to us. You know, the Greeks, they, 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 one of the things that really offended them was God has feelings. It offended the Greeks. That's why the Greeks, they have something called apathia. That means we, we have a God who is apathetic. That's what they believed. And that's why even if you look at Greek mythology and most of the Greek gods, they are very wicked and they have no emotion or feeling. It's like if you do something, you just have to die because that's how they see God, a divine being. You can't tell me that a sovereign being has feelings. A sovereign being can feel. A, a sovereign being can love. That is not God, especially to the Greeks. The Jews at least got it, but to the Greeks, it was foolishness to them. How can you tell me there is a God who can have the feelings and, and empathize with, with human beings because he understands what we are going through? It was very hard for the average Greek to understand. And that's where that word apathia comes from. That's a God who is a God of apathy. In fact, it was even the name of one of their gods. They believe that if you were a divine being, you shouldn't have emotion. You, you are weak to have an emotion. Therefore, when you, you, you reduce the sovereign being that we worship to a being that has emotion, that is a weak God. But what they didn't understand was that Jesus, who was God, 100% God, he came in the form of a human and he experienced the pressures of being a human being. The Bible said that he was tempted in all ways, yet he never sinned. It's important for us to understand that because Jesus can relate to you when you are struggling with temptations. That is why he will not forsake you, even if you give in to temptations. He will want you to come boldly to the throne of grace so that you can find mercy and obtain grace in time of need. That is what he has made available. Why? Because he came as a man. 
He endures the presence of a human being. He understands what it means to be hit at your weak points. He understands what it means to be hit at your most vulnerable moments. But Jesus never sinned. Do you know why he never sinned? He never sinned because he was superhuman. He never sinned because he was God, yet he was human. So the God aspect, the God nature of him will not make him sin because he was God. Yet he had the form of a human. That's what reformists will call the hypostatic union. That means Jesus was 100% God. He was 100% man, hypostatic. You know? So that's Jesus. He was tempted like us. Yet he never sinned. He was without sin. The same pressures that we experience, Jesus has experienced it before. The same temptations that you experience, Jesus has experienced it before. There is no form of sin, no form of pressure, no form of temptation that Jesus is alien or foreign to. He knows it all. And that's why he wants you to come to him because he understands what it means to live like a human. He is not like a Greek God that will just strike you for a minor transgression because you couldn't fulfill the law or you couldn't obey one of the commands. You know, I don't know whether you've watched some of these Greek mythological movies, but the gods are very wicked. If you transgress or if you have any sort of minor infraction, it's a severe punishment. There is nothing like mercy. There is nothing like grace. You just have to be punished. I mean, a classic movie, if you, if you want, to, want to watch one of these Greek movies, just watch Clash of the Titans, where the popular head of Medusa is. You know how even that Medusa became what she became. She was a beautiful woman, but the gods became angry. Uh, one of the, 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 the characters is called Calibos. How, how he disobeyed something, became... You know, so mo- mo- most of the characters in the movies... Are, are objects of the punishment of Zeus, who is also believed to be some sort of Greek mythological god. The, the, the gods in the Greek mythology are all wicked. They don't understand human feeling. They don't understand man can be given into temptations that can overwhelm him, that he will never be able to obey certain gods. They don't understand that. And I don't blame them. Because which of them has walked in the shoes of humanity? But the reason why there is so much grace and so much mercy and love in Christianity is Jesus, who the Bible says that by him the world was created by, and through him the world was created by. The mystery is that he became man. And that's why Christmas is a real thing for us to celebrate because it explains to us the reality of the season. Jesus, who is God, Jesus, who had the same attributes as his father, he came in the form of man and experienced the day-to-day pressures of being human. And that is why Christianity extols the virtues of mercy, love, grace, and forgiveness highly than any other so-called religion you want to call it. Because 
the author and the finisher of our faith, who is also the Alpha and Omega. The author and the finisher of our faith, who is also the first and the last. The author and the finisher of our faith, who also declared in John chapter 8, before Abraham was, I am. The author and the finisher of our faith, who is among the firstborn of all creation. The author and the finisher of our faith, who through him, Everything was created, thrones, visible and invisible. The author and the finisher of our faith became man. Oh, thank God for Christmas. Christmas should help us to appreciate the reality of, of, of the season because God became man. You see, it's not just God coming to earth the relevance of Christmas, but the form in which he came on this earth, he became a man. Endured every persecution of being a human being, endured every pressure of being a human being, endured every temptation of being a human being. For this reason, he says, come boldly to the throne of grace, that you will obtain grace and find mercy in time of need. So Jesus understands depression because he's been human before. He is God, but he understands. He is not apathia, apathetic to our feelings. He rather empathizes to our feelings. And he is God. Amen. I love it. The fourth thing, he suffered like us. So how was Jesus like us? When we say Jesus became like man, he embraced the total package of the human experience. He was born like us. He grew like us. He was tempted like us. And the fourth thing I want you to take home tonight is he suffered like us. Jesus felt pain and disappointment. He became tired and lonely. He grieved. He cried. He was human. In Gethsemane, when you read that scripture, Jesus talked about sorrow had filled his heart greatly. And I want us to read that. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to read this in the CEV, Contemporary English Version. Jesus went with his disciples. So Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 to 38. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. When they got there, he told them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Jesus took along Peter and the two brothers, James and John. He was very sad and troubled. 
This is God. Jesus, who was equal with God and thought it's not robbery. This is what we are talking about. Jesus, who is God. He's God. John 1, 1 attests to who he was. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh. It had flesh. And that's what John testified to. The one we have seen with our eyes, the one we looked upon, the one we could handle. Jesus, he's called the word. The Bible says that he was very sad and troubled. And he said to his disciples, listen, I am so sad that I feel as if I am dying. Stay here and keep awake with me. Jesus as a man. Jesus who is God. He, that's why I say he embraced the whole package of the human experience. He didn't say, I want to fill this part of human experience. I don't want to fill this other part. He embraced the whole package. The whole package. And this is Jesus talking. I'm so sad that I feel as if I am dying. Have you been there before? You feel so sad that you feel as if you are dying? Jesus can relate. And in context, this scripture is talking to us about the looming closeness of his death coming upon him. At that point, he realized that the death is imminent. I have to suffer this. I have to suffer this. I have to suffer this. When you read the Gospels carefully, Jesus was not afraid of death. Because he said it, and we've read that scripture, we've done it in one of our John series. The prince of this world is coming. He has no, and he has nothing in me. I give my life. I think the main thing about Jesus, when you read the story, is the weight of the whole world of the sin upon him and the father forsaking him. Not death. Because he, he had already conquered death before he stepped foot. But he had to conquer death for it to become a reality to us. He was already God, mind you. Came in the form of a man, humbled himself, endured the human experience, and then for our sake, he had to defeat death. I don't think that... It was death that bothered him. It's the weight, the whole weight of the whole world of the sin, including those who are not even born. Every sin will be laid on him. And that his father will forsake him. And that's why on the cross, 
what bothered him most was, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? I think that is the weight. It's not the weight of death because he was never afraid of death. He had conquered death. He wasn't afraid of death. He had conquered death. That's why he could raise up people from the dead because he had mastery over that. Is not Death is not the issue. It's the assignment of dying for the sins of the whole world that waits and the father forsaking him. Because this will be the first time in the history of the heavenlies that the Father will have to forsake Christ. And we'll do it in the book of John as we we, we near our series in chapter 17. Amen. So Jesus became man. He suffered. He suffered. So he knows what it's like to suffer. Don't suffer in silence. Talk to Jesus. Don't suffer in silence. If you are depressed, talk to Jesus. If you can't afford the fees of therapy, talk to Jesus. He's your best therapist. He knows what it's like to suffer. Open your mouth. Talk to him. Worship him. Pray. He hears you. He understands you. He he knows what you go through. He understands your anxieties. He understands suffering. He understands what it means to be tempted. Talk to him. There is a reality of Christmas that I want all of us to embrace today. That's why Christmas is a big deal. God became man. Amen. He became man because he was born like us. He became man because he grew like us. He became man because he was tempted like us. He became man because he suffered like us. So, so far in this series, we have covered two subtopics. We have looked at the relevance of Christmas, God coming to earth. We first of all had to establish that Jesus is God. And we looked at many scriptures. Revelation chapter 1, we looked at John 1, we looked at Genesis chapter 1, we looked at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Jesus is not the son of Mary. That is something that he had to take upon himself to identify himself with humanity. But he is God. God stepping foot on this earth like a man. That makes Christmas relevant. Today, we have looked at the reality of Christmas. God became man. That's why he could come to this earth. Amen. So I hope we are blessed. As we celebrate this season, let us rejoice because Christmas is relevant. God came on this earth. Let us rejoice. Christmas is real because God became man. God bless you. Who has any question or contribution? The floor is open. It's all welcome. Amen. I'm down for tonight. Pastor Frank, you are welcome.
God bless you and thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for the word, Pastor Stephen. Good word. Yes, sir. Thank you. So now I'm going to preach it on Sunday. <laughs> good word. Good, good, good points. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Bless this, man. Thank you, sir. All right. The, the, the professor has spoken. Uh, I feel good. Amen. Pastor, Pastor Frank is my professor, you know, so... If he says I did well, then I did well. Don't try it. That's not right. <laughs> you know it's the other way around. Who okay. <laughs> well, has any question or contribution? It was good. I enjoyed it also. Uh, I think my favorite part was uh, talking about the humanity of Jesus. Um, um, before you even said it, that's what I was thinking. That's why he was able to, uh, uh, what is it, uh, understand our weaknesses. Mm. I'm trying to remember the scripture, but I'm having brain block. Um, uh, verse 4. Bruce Farney, please, no. Um, oh, I can't remember right now. Ugh, it's, um, I can't believe, I, I say it a lot. Too, but he was able to recognize and understand uh, a human human frailty and weakness. Mm -hmm. He could identify with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, that should give us a lot of um, encouragement, I think. Yeah. You know, when I think about uh, my sufferings and my weaknesses, I go, he understands me. Amen. And so when I pray to him, he, he knows my pain. He knows my pain. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. God bless you guys. God willing, next week, we are going to touch on our third sub-theme under the series. We'll be talking about the reason for Christmas. So we've looked at the relevance of Christmas, the reality of Christmas. Uh, next week, we'll look at the reason for Christmas, God willing. From the same text, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, we'll take the third bite, and the third bite is the reason for Christmas. Thank you all for attending. Uh, God bless you. May you experience the joy and the glad tidings that this season brings in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you that as we retire to our beds, um, you will protect us. Give us sound sleep, O oh Lord. May our hearts be filled with joy. May we be encouraged. And may we experience the warmth of your love. Uh, may every blessing that this season has be upon us in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you all for attending tonight's service. God willing, we shall continue next week. Good night. Good night. God bless you. Blessings.